Did you realize, did you realize that um, when God wrote the script to Good Friday, he wrote it with a sequel in mind. And the sequel is today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's a day that we celebrate. And the, the importance of this day is this, is that without the resurrection, without the resurrection, everything that we hope for, everything that we acknowledge about God, everything that, that, that we proclaim as the gospel is empty. It's just, it's just religion. It's just, it's just a hopeful expectation of something that we desire for ourselves. Everything that Jesus claimed, everything that Jesus did, every, everything that, that, that encapsulated the person and the work of Jesus is found and recognized and realized because of the resurrection. And it's important that as we come here this morning, and for those of you that have been, are, have been believers a long time, it's a day to celebrate, it's a day to dance, it's a day to thank God, and it's a day to remember this incredible sacrifice that, that Jesus made on our behalf. And I don't know, that, to me that's a pretty special thing, to think that God would care enough about us to not leave us alone to not allow us to become enraptured in our own way, enraptured in our own means of sort of satisfying what life is all about. You know, last week we talked about every one of us has an allegiance to something. No matter what, we bu- no matter what we're, we're a slave to something. As, as much as we want to acknowledge it or not, we're either... We're either Oh, an allegiance to God. And we say our whole lives are shaped by him. That we have this faith in God. And we believe that God is the person that we're accountable to. That we're responsible to. That we have to live our lives in that way. And then there's others of us who say, you know what? Um, unless, I can, unless I can touch it. Unless I can analyze it. Unless I can understand it. Unless I can, I can sort of figure out the natural workings of it. This is the way I'm going to live my life. Because, because that's, that's objective truth that I can sort of hold on to and measure. And that's the way I'm going to live my life. Uh, for, for some of you here this morning, you're going to say, I'm going to live my life based on how I want to live my life. This is what I know is going to make me happy. This is what I know is, go- is going to be, is, is going to be what, what I want life to be all about. And if I'm not happy and if I don't get what I want and if I'm not satisfied with the things, I'm going to make sure that happens. Those are, those are basically the three ways that we live our lives. Or for some of us, we live a mixture of all of those, right? Right? There's times where, where, where we're grabbing a little bit of everything. But today we acknowledge that the resurrection of Jesus is what changes it all, what shapes it all, what, what makes it what makes everything that we do on a Sunday morning and in, in, in the week, for those of us that, that are believers here this morning, this is what shapes our whole lives. It's the difference that it makes. The difference that it makes. I'm going to take a passage this morning, and I'm going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 2, which is essentially the birth of the church. The church would not ever have been born if Jesus did not rise from the dead. You know, this gathering that we have here this morning would be something else. 
But without this particular, this, this particular truth of the resurrection and that Jesus rose from the dead, it inspired the, the, the disciples that sat with Jesus for three years, that walked with him and talked with him and learned from him. It's, it's, what, it's what changed these men's lives. So they became, so they became um, unbeatable in reaching out to the world around them. Um, when Jesus was, was on a cross and the disciples had kind of dispersed and, and were nowhere to be found, and, and, and suddenly they thought that everything that Jesus had taught them had come, had come to nothing. And yet when Jesus blew open the stone of that particular tomb and walked out of it, the disciples became very different men. Courage. A message, a message that they felt the entire world needed to hear. And very often we talk about this gospel, this core message. And sometimes we turn it into music. Sometimes we turn it into art. Sometimes we turn it into preaching. Sometimes we turn it into service. Sometimes we turn it into all kinds of things. But at the heart of it is a message for every individual in this room, every individual in this city, every individual in this world. A message of hope, a message of reconciliation, a message that we all long to hear deep in our own hearts. Something that that helps us as human beings to realize that we have been made by God uniquely by him, to relate to him, to enjoy our company with him, to be something far more than we could ever hope to imagine. For those of us, for those of us that, that want to live our lives based on the natural realities and see, touch, all, and taste, you know, there's always something missing. Can I say that? You might disagree with me, but there's something missing. For those of us that want to live inside of ourselves and say, you know, I've, I've, I've been too hurt. I've been too, um, you, you know, disappointed by the people around me. I've been so disappointed by the relationships. I'm so disappointed by the world around me. I'm going to make sure that I look out for number one. I'm going to look out for myself. And very often we find ourselves coming to the end of this road and saying, I can't go any further. Because when I come to the end of myself, that's it. And very often when we come to the end of ourselves, we look for something more. We look for something deeper. We look for something real. And often we don't allow ourselves to see the heart of the message of Jesus until we come to the very end of ourselves. And I think for the disciples that was a a very true statement because so often Jesus had the correct his own followers, because they were so earthly bound. And yet, when Jesus rose from the grave, it changed their whole outlook. So we're going to look at a, a short passage from Acts 2. And it's a passage where the Apostle Peter is the first one to give maybe the, most, the, the, the first formal sermon in a church. So we're going to quote from what is technically the first sermon ever preached in, 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 in a church in Jerusalem on the streets as people were gathered around to hear him. And this is what he says to them as part of the message. He goes, God raised Jesus from the dead. 
And we are all witnesses to this. Now, what we don't get in the text is anybody saying no. Because there's a crowd in front of him. There's no one saying at this point in time, uh, no, we didn't see it. You know, Peter can say this confidently in a crowd with no one, you know, shouting back at him the opposite. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour it upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself, which is an old king of the Old, of the old Testament, that everybody acknowledged that the Messiah would come through this king, never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. In other words, this, this Messiah, this Jesus who would come, would vanquish every enemy that humanity would have. And this is, this is the way that he d- depicts it. Then he says this, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Now I'm going to just deal with those last two words, Lord and Messiah. This, this whole business about rising from the dead and what it means for us today. Um, I don't know if you know the, the name of Ken Davis, but he's a, he's a Christian um, commentator. He's a Christian uh, uh, comedian. Can I say that? Right? He tells a true story about a woman who looked out into her backyard and saw her German shepherd uh, with a rabbit in its mouth just shaking this rabbit violently. And the, and, the, and, and, the, and, the, and the woman just couldn't believe it because it was the neighbor's rabbit. So she ran out there and, of course, um, finally got the rabbit away from the dog and was just beside herself. She goes, this is going to ruin our relationship with our neighbor. So the rabbit was dead, but she brought it in the house. She washed it up. She blow-dried it. She fixed it up. God perked up its ears. All this stuff. Snuck into the neighbor's backyard and put it back into its cage and propped it up. Not two hours later, she heard, she heard the neighbors screaming. And she went over and said, what's the matter? What's the matter? She said, it's our rabbit. It died two weeks ago. And look. <laughs> true, sto- true story. We all know rabbits don't. But God in Jesus rose from the grave. It was unnatural. It was unnatural for the first century believers for someone to rise from the dead as much as it's unnatural for us to realize it today. And I think it's absolutely beautiful because ask yourself something. If you were to rise from the dead, what would you do? What would you bring to the world? I would argue that if you rose from the dead, you would become the most powerful person in the world. 
And what you would do is you would command allegiance. You would command being a, you know, allegiance by everybody. You would, you would become the wealthiest person. You would become the most powerful person. You would take over everything that this world has to offer. And you would make and elevate yourself above all things. That's what you would do if you would rise from the dead. But with Jesus, we have something very, 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 very different. Because Jesus, in rising from the dead, rather than elevating himself purely on his own, which he is, he's God incarnate, he is God eternal, we know he's the second person of the Trinity, we understand all of that. But what Jesus accomplished in the resurrection means something for you, it means something for me. And it changes everything about life. It changes everything about death. It changes everything that we can possibly imagine on heaven and on earth. Because I've said this this last week, I'm going to say it again, that the character of the king shapes the nature of the kingdom. And the king that we serve in Jesus Christ is a far different kingdom than we could imagine. The very first word is Lord here which means eternal God. That when, when Peter said this about Jesus, that he is the Lord, that the people in the crowd would have acknowledged right away that he's talking, that Jesus is God, that he is the eternal God. He is the one that could, that could accomplish uh, great power and with great abilities and has all the characteristics of God. It's just amazing to me that, that, that the acknowledgement of this person rising from the dead was God himself. Powerful, that he would be at the right hand of the Father. Traditionally, when when people said that you are God's right hand, or you are the general's right hand, or you are the, the master's right hand, it meant that you sat in the seat of power, that you sat in the seat of authority, that you sat in the seat of command. And this is what Peter is saying about Jesus, that the place that he holds is the place that only God can hold. And acknowledge it. That the Trinity, it's amazing that this short passage that the Trinity is, is, is demonstrated in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was able to give the Holy Spirit to continue the work that he started. Second is Messiah, this eternal Savior. Now, this is not insignificant. You know, we think very often about God being able to do something powerful in our lives because he's God. If we say, God, heal me of this. If you say, God, touch me of this. God, give me this. Or God, bless me with this. Or God, protect me from this. We have that expectation because it's God that we're talking to. But there's something that happens when we recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. The eternal Savior. That... He became this sacrifice, this this bridge between humanity and our separateness from God. And God the Father, that this distance and this chasm and and this valley that separates the two of us is one that we can never reach on our own. 
You know, we, we talk about being good. We talk about, you know, if the, the, the weight and the balance of life is such that if the good things that I do in my life outweigh the bad, then I'm going to be okay before God. But, you know, that's, that, there, there's probably nothing in, in, in understanding about, about our relationship with God that, that just misses the entire point. God wants us to do good. God wants us to be compassionate. God wants us to be merciful. But it's not our goodness that makes us right before God. It's our faith in Jesus. And that's such a connector that many of us don't or can't really deal with well. Because the reality is, is we want to have some control over how we relate to God. And the reality is, is not, we're just not people who do bad. That from God's perspective, we are sinners that need a Savior. And God cared enough that instead of leaving us to our own devices, trying to figure this thing out, He gave us a means by which we could live in that relationship with Him. That He sacrificed his perfect son to satisfy the requirement of God the Father and to take everything that we've done wrong upon himself. It's an incredible, it's an incredible gift. And you know, I, I, I was thinking about that this morning, that how often we turn church and we turn religion and we turn this whole thing of faith into either political or creation, evolution, science against... Like, we turn it into all this other stuff. And yet at the core of our lives, when, when life hands us something that we can't handle, when life handles, hands us something that we don't know what to do with, when, when we're reminded about the world we live in and, and the reality that death is coming, the reality that, that hope, hopelessness seems to be what resides primarily in the world, that, that it becomes difficult so often to live our lives to the fullest because we try to do it so much on our own. And I think no matter what, every one of us come to this place where we realize that we've come to the end of ourselves. And to think that Peter could say, Lord and Messiah. That it almost seems to, to, to deal with everything that we could humanly have possible in terms of questions about the things that are really important in life. We can acknowledge God and we can hold God up there as being mighty and on this throne and, and separate from us. And, and we sort of cower because he's going to beat us at every moment or he's going to judge us at every moment. And, and as, as much as there's a, a wrongness to that understanding about God, the fact that he's Messiah is the fact that he came, put on human flesh. I can't, you know, I can't understand that. To think that God Almighty would set aside every every privilege that he would have of being God and wrap himself in, in, in this flesh, this, this weakness, this, you know, less than, 
And, and, and not only that, but become a servant even to us. To be beaten, to carry a cross, to drag it, to be bloodied, to be ridiculed, to be spat upon, to die, and then, and then, right? And then, and then. See, there are many lives that have ended that way. There are many lives that have come to the conclusion and they're just a footnote in history. And they come to the end of their lives and we say, boy, what a shame. But look what they accomplished in times that they were living. What a shame that it ended that way. What a shame that it was cut short. What a shame that we didn't, only now. How many of us have said, you know, oh, too bad the artist wasn't appreciated while they were alive. Right? But the resurrection, resurrection, Changes everything. And the fact that he's the Messiah meant that he came. And no matter what it is that you are holding on to, no matter what doubt you have, no matter what it is in life that you wonder about, no matter what it is that you long for in life, no matter what it is that leaves you empty and, and, and hopeless, that is the Messiah, he has come to satisfy that, to bring you hope to bring you reconciliation, to bring you forgiveness, to wash you clean, to give you a new start. That's the power of that word Messiah. That this hope is now real. Because it's not just a person that came to accomplish it on our behalf. It is God himself. You know what? I was... um, I can't remember how many years I couldn't buy that. I couldn't, you know, for years I couldn't buy that. And here I am up here trying to convince you of it. You know, um, I had all these, I had all, all this stuff going on, man. But, you know, the reality is there is only one king that holds the keys to eternal life. And only one king that sits on the throne that's of any importance whatsoever. See, we're all going to end up in the same place. And the resurrection of Jesus assures us of a resurrected hope. Of a resurrected promise. Of a resurrected Savior. Of a resurrected You know, we, we don't use resurrection very often, even in our everyday lives, because we don't know what to do with it, right? We don't know what to do with it. If the neighbor brought a rabbit into our yard, and it would freak us out too, right? <laughs> you know? But here's the Apostle Peter on this day at Pentecost when the church exploded and 3,000 people. Because as soon as Peter says this, he, he stand, you know, people respond to him and say, what must we do? That we recognize that this, this is not just any ordinary man that we killed. This is not just any ordinary man that we slaughtered. That something different has happened. That this king has now come. This kingdom has now arrived. And what everything, and everything about life that's supposed to be about power and knowledge. 
becomes absolutely transformed in the hands of God and becomes a hopeful expectation of a deliverance that only God himself could bring into our lives. That we've all been, all been delivered. It means a lot to each and every one of us when we talk about the Messiah. It means a lot. It means a lot that... um, that we can celebrate the resurrection today. You know, this is one of the this is one of the most joyful days, if not the most joyful day on the Christian calendar. It is. It is. And yet it's also one of the hardest messages to preach. Because it's very it's, it's, almost, it's almost like you can't grasp it unless your heart has, has grasped it first. You know what I'm saying? Right? Because you can, almost, you can almost be up here, and, and for some people it can almost be like, I'm talking about, you know, um, deep sea diving and you've never been in the water. You know? But when your life has been touched by Jesus and changed by Jesus, suddenly the reality of the resurrection isn't even anything worth arguing about because you know how much it's changed everything. And listen, some of you here as believers have, have been living as believers and you kind of, kind of, you know, when, when, when the, when, when the form comes in and it says, are you a Christian? You just kind of tick off the box. And you go, yeah, you know. But you're living your life in a kind of reality where you've forgotten about the resurrection. You've forgotten what that means. You've forgotten that it, it, should, it should make you every day of your life as you get up have a worldview that's dramatically different than everyone else. That you can start putting the news aside. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm starting to put the news aside more and more all the time because it's just a drag. Right? I don't know about you. If you're a news hound, I'm really sorry for you. Um, no, no offense, but I've just become tired of the news. It's like same thing, different name, different face, different place. But it's the same thing over and over again. You know, any, like, I just, you know... Just different date, too. Right? If you're a believer here this morning and you just, you've forgotten what that should mean for you. Then I want to just encourage you this morning to remember the resurrection. If you're a person here this, this morning who's just trying to figure out this whole faith thing, you know, I, I challenge you to, to, to research any other faith, any other religion, any other you know, philosophy you want. But nothing, nothing in your life is going to satisfy you other than Jesus Christ and recognizing the resurrection. That sounded good. Can you say that again? No, I mean, okay. Hey, amen, amen. You may, you may be here this morning and totally skeptical, and you're kind of looking around going, who are all these freaks? You know? Um, I was, you know, I, I, was, I, I, I was one of you at one time. And, you, you know, um, 
Let me, let me just say to you that what, whatever, whatever you're reaching for, whatever you're longing for, whatever you're hoping for in terms of what's going to bring meaning to life, you're not going to find it unless you have an encounter with the risen Christ. If I can say that this morning. Now we're going to do something. I'm going to ask Matt to come up if if Matt's here. You know, we like doing things very practically here. And I think for many of you, we've had a we've had a wonderful service. The the worship team's been 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 wonderful. Um, Paul, thanks for that solo. Honestly, that's a great song. Amen. Yeah, that was a great song. Um, but you see this poster here, Blessed to Share His Kingdom. We're going to put it up here on this table, and we've and, and the challenge this morning is going to be very real for some of you. And as, as I've just said, for some of you, you have forgotten that Jesus is the king of your life. You have forgotten that, that you need to recommit yourself to the Lord. And then on this Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrection, remember everything that Jesus has done on our behalf. That we have probably been living our lives maybe, maybe too enamored with ourselves, too, too despondent over life, too despondent over the way things are. And we need to be reminded this morning that when we commit our lives to Jesus, that Jesus will make a difference and change things. You may be here this morning and you're saying, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm going to try this Jesus thing. And maybe it's time for me to, to get my, my life right. And maybe it's time for me to become part of a, a faith community and do something very real. I, I want to challenge you to come up this morning too. Maybe you're a total skeptic. And maybe, maybe because of that skepticism, you're going to say something like this. You know what? I'm going to try this Jesus thing out. And I'm going to sign this thing as a pledge that I'm just going to try this thing. Maybe that's what you want to do this morning. And as I'm going to call up the worship team, I'm going to close in prayer. And um, you guys don't want to come up, right? Um, (laughs) um, Come on. Yeah, come on up. Don't be shy. I'm going to close in prayer as they're coming up. But we have this poster here. We have a number of pens We want you to sign it, um, just to sign it. But we want you to make a pledge before you sign it to God about why you're signing it. I I know some of you here this morning are struggling with your health, and you're asking why. I know some of you are struggling with someone very close to you, and you're asking why. I know there's some of you here that even with work, you're asking why. And in the midst of all those whys, we, we want to take control of those things ourselves. And this morning I'm asking you just to sign and say from here on in, for as long as the Spirit of God enables me, I am going to trust myself into the hands of Jesus, Lord, and Messiah. 
And as I close in prayer, um, and maybe you guys can just vamp on uh, some music and that before the last song, I'm going to ask you to, to come up and sign this. And as I'm praying that you're making your pledge to God and what you're signing for, it's a great expectation and hope that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's a great privilege to be able to celebrate what this day represents because nothing, nothing in the world can match the hope and the promise and the glory of being a follower of Jesus Christ and what that means for all, all eternity. Let's pray.